Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,367. This week on Cars Yeah, we're celebrating the Pebble Beach Concours de Elegance. It takes place on Sunday, August 20th at the beautiful Lodge in Pebble Beach, California. You can learn more on their website, get your tickets. I hope to see you there. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in uh, warm Houston, Texas, with a very special guest by the name of Mark Brinker. Mark, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am ready. You're always ready because you're a guy that has some, I don't even know how to describe the vehicles you have. We're going to be talking about some of them, and I want to give you a proper introduction to set the tone. But before I do so, Mark, what's one little thing that people may not know about Mark Brinker? I think one thing people may not realize is that I'm originally from Long Island. People think of me as the guy in Houston, but I was born and raised on Long Island. I'm still kind of a New Yorker. I live in Texas. My daughter is a Texan, but I still root for the New York Knickerbockers, as painful (laughs) as that is. (laughs) Well, you'd have a little bit of a tinge of a New York accent going there. You know, I I don't hear a lot of Southern Texas drawl. My father was from Texas. His family's from Texas. They're from up north near Amarillo. Uh, Very heavy accents up there. But uh, I think I feel I, I sense a little more New York than Texas in you. All right. Well, for those who are not as perceptive as you, now they all will know. Okay. There you go. That's why I like to ask that question. Let me give you an introduction here. Dr. Mark Brinker is a world-renowned orthopedic surgeon with a lifelong passion for helping others and for automobiles. In addition to his medical career specializing in complex fracture repair, Mark is an automotive enthusiast. He's a collector. He's a vintage racer. He's a historian and a journalist. He even uh, wrote part for a movie once too which we may talk about that i learned that about him today mark's current car collection includes 35 carefully curated post-war sports cars primarily from italy the united states and japan he co-authored vintage american road racing cars 1950 to 1970 which was nominated for the motor press guild's dean bachelor award he also co-authored with myron vernis a past cars yeah guest a quiet greatness japan's most astonishing automobiles for the collector and enthusiast that book was awarded the 2023 a motor world booch press am i saying that right booch press award It's in Germany, so your guess is as good as mine. (laughs) Okay, well, I can tell you, listeners, I have a copy of this. It's not just one book. It's a volume, and it is spectacular. It's incredible. He's penned a monthly column for Vintage Race Car uh, in a masshead contributor for Sports Car Market Magazine and written feature work for Otang Magazine and numerous other publications. This is one very busy guy. And he's going to have two cars on the lawn at Pebble this year. Uh, I think we're going to have some fun with our talk today. But first, a word from our sponsors. So please give them a little love. They keep the uh, fuel in the tanks here. And we'll be right back. Buckle up. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. 
way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Did you know that Cars Yeah is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership according to Lipson, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars yeah has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Mark, very fascinating life you live. Uh, Orthopedic surgery, a specialist in very difficult cases is my understanding. But you are a diehard car guy, and that's how you and I have gotten together. So what I want to talk about is this passion you have not only for automobiles, but you have a passion for really unique automobiles. Your taste is, I guess I could say eclectic, but it is also very specialized. So can we go back in time a little bit? When did this all begin, this passion for automobiles? Well, I've always loved automobiles as far back as I can remember. You know, I've always loved automobiles and specifically sports cars. I remember one of our neighbors had a early 60s Corvette. I was born in 1960 and I, I remember these cars when they were new. And you know, I don't know if it was the the visual punch of the cars or uh, the sound the engines made, but I'm just it's just something that I've always loved. Uh, it, it's kind of like ice cream or delicious cake. You know, people just are drawn to these things. Um, <laughs> for some reason, uh, not everyone is drawn to sports cars, but for me, it's the same, you know, as a great piece of pie. It's just in my DNA. I come from a family that appreciated automobiles, but not collected automobiles. My father liked getting a new Eldorado every couple of years. 
And, you know, that was, that was a sporty car back in the sixties and seventies. Um, I had an uncle who raced cars in Brooklyn, you know, he's a street racer and he used to talk to me about cars. It's just something I've always loved. I don't know that there was a seminal moment that I can describe. It's just always been a passion of mine. Well, it sounds like it. And it seems to me you are drawn to not only a a wide array of cars, but cars with a very unique history, innovative engineering, and I guess I could say very compelling design. And maybe where we start here is with the two cars you're going to be bringing to Pebble and to the lawn this year. And what's really interesting is, you know, I've been going to Pebble Beach for 32 years in a row. I've seen some of your cars. We've never had the luxury of meeting, but next time I'm there, we will get to meet. And finally, I'll get to say hello to you in person. But these cars that you have, and I'll tell the listeners, before we got on the phone today, Mark kept sending me these pictures of different vehicles. I'm like, what is that? What is that? Oh my gosh. Uh, But let's start with the two cars that you're bringing to Pebble. What are they? So one of the cars is the 1953 Curtis Sorrell SR100 prototype. And the other car is the uh, 1952 Fagio Pateray. Most people are right now Googling both of those going, what is he talking about? Let's start with the Curtis. Okay. So Bob Sorrell was an extremely talented guy who had sort of this burst of energy uh, in the early 50s. He had some formal uh, university training in design. His father was uh, an engineer. And like so many people, you know, after World War II, he came back with a lot of skills and talents. He was part of uh, the motor pool in uh, where he was stationed in Virginia. and from working with his father as a child, they did a lot of tether car repair and modeling, and he learned how to make wooden bucks, and he learned how to uh, make his own castings. And he was just a very talented guy, went and got some design education, and then had this uh, you know burst of energy and enthusiasm. And in 1952, he inked this design for what he called the model SR100. And it's a gorgeous car, aluminum body that was, uh, the design was Sorrell's, uh, but the body was built at California Metal Shaping. The chassis was a Curtis sports car chassis, uh, and the engine was a GMC inline six with six carburetors um, with a special 12 port head and uh, a special intake manifold. So. This car sort of exemplifies, you know, some of the things that I look for in a car. And many of the cars that I buy are projects. And many of the projects that I buy are long forgotten, long lost cars that have been, you know, just sort of sitting in a basement or, you know, forgotten. Or um, when we talk about the Pateray, sometimes they've been divided in half. But all of them, you know, share some things in common. And that is, I want to collect beautiful cars. Um, I'm not really drawn to kooky cars or just outlandish cars that I don't think are beautiful. Now, of course, beauty is always in the eye of the beholder, but there are certain cars that everybody nods their head and says, yeah, that's really great looking. And I think I, this car has not been seen by the public since it debuted at the uh, Peterson Motorama in 1953. Oh, my gosh. This is the first time anybody's going to see this car. 
in 70 years. So virtually or, or nearly no one alive today has seen the car. Maybe if you were, you know, 10 years old at the Motorama. <laughs> yeah. But it's a beautiful car. It's, it's all American, chassis, body, and engine. You know, it's a real honor and privilege to be, you know, the caretaker of something like this and bring it back. And, you know, it's a little bit like what I do in orthopedics. You know, my practice is patients primarily who are sent by other orthopedic surgeons and they're sort of hopeless cases. Patients who have had fractures months or years ago and they've had many surgeries and, you know, their arm or leg is still broken or crooked or infected. And so I sort of bring them back from, from the edge. And with the cars, it's a little bit the same. Many of the cars that I've shown at Pebble Beach have been cars that were missing or forgotten or lost. So I'm very excited to debut this car. And there's, you know, Bob Sorrell really never got the credit that he deserved. I am working on a book right now with a, with a co-author and uh, it's on Bob Sorrell. And the name of the book is Genius in the Shadows. And we have photographs of cars that he built. And it said Sorrell Engineering on the tail of a streamliner in his shop. And then when it got to the salt, the owner of the car had removed it. And that sort of exemplifies, you know, his career. But he built lots of beautiful cars. Do you want to talk about the Patteray? Yeah, definitely. But well, I just want to say after hearing all that, this is a wonderful correlation to your your career choice. And that is helping people that I won't say are helpless, but are, are challenged in many ways. And there's so many of these cars that were made by people that were just stunning and long forgotten. And the fact that you're bringing them back and bringing them to us for us to see, and that's the wonderful thing about the Pebble Beach Concours, when you go to that event, I guarantee you, whether it's your first time or your 32nd time like me or your 100th time, whatever, I guess they haven't been around quite 100 years, but I think they're in their 72nd or something like that, you see things that you never knew existed. And if it wasn't for people like you that have the willingness and the patience and time and skill sets and have the right people and team to bring these cars around. I, I can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart for all of us enthusiasts for bringing cars forward that there's no way we would ever probably even know they existed unless we saw something in an old picture somewhere. So tell us about the second car, the 52. Well, before I say that, I, you touched on something about Pebble Beach and I, I really want to tip my hat to the folks at Pebble Beach you know, classes like this that they put on to honor smaller builders, we'll say, I really admire their willingness to show all kinds of cars. I've been to car shows uh, all around the country and even all around the world. And there is no show that excites me or has the, the kind of uh, depth and heft that uh, Pebble Beach has. And so I'm really grateful that uh, there is a show like Pebble Beach uh, that we can all go to and enjoy as a spectator. I've done that many times, but also debut a car like this. And they're, you know, very welcoming. It's a wonderful event and it's put on by wonderful people. Well, it really is. I, I love all the folks there. And uh, I really appreciate the fact that they uh, they bring me some wonderful guests like you. Truly inspiring automotive enthusiast. And, and before we talk about that second car, you've been on the lawn before. There's some 
pretty cool cars that I was told about that you had on Concours lawns. Uh, a 49, is it Fagio Supersonic? How do I say that? Fagio? So I haven't shown that car at Pebble Beach yet. That We can talk about that if you want in a minute. That's a car that I chased for most of my life. And it's a, it's a long, complicated story, and we can get in, into it if you want. But I, I haven't shown that car at Pebble Beach. Um, it has not been restored yet, but that's going to be sort of the highlight of my collecting career. That is the most amazing car that I will ever have a chance to be a part of its history. Well, another one is uh, Chet Herbert's Beast 3 Streamliner, which you sent me a, I think that's the red one you sent me a photograph of today. Is that right? That's right. So that was the first car I showed at Pebble Beach. I think that was 2009, unless my memory is failing me. Around that time, that was a Streamliner that raced at Bonneville in 1952. Art Chrisman uh, drove that car 238 miles an hour, obviously is an insane speed. What's really impressive is that it had just a stock Chrysler Hemi motor. You know, the, the speed was all in the streamlining. And, uh, you know, that, that was an example of a car that everybody remembered historically, but it was just sort of languishing, you know, in someone's barn. And I was lucky enough to find out about it and had the opportunity to, to bring it back. Yeah, you're like a guy that goes out and finds orphans and gives them a new life. I mean, it's just amazing. Another one was uh, Herb Adams Pontiac Vivant. There's another unique one. Yeah, I mean, where on earth do you find all these things? Um, I I spend a little bit of time hunting around. I guess so. Yeah, and before we talk about the second car you bring into Pebble, I want to touch on Bonneville, because you have set some records there. I mean, you don't just only restore cars to look pretty, but you get in these things and drive them. I've got to ask you a little bit about going to Bonneville. You've set, is it, is my number right, eight land speed records there? Eight land speed records, that's right. My gosh, how do you have time to go and operate on people? Oh my goodness, you've got such a full life. This is so cool. And you're also building a, a Toyota Sports 800 to take there as well, right? Yeah, so I, I retired uh, my first Bonneville car and, uh, you know, ca- kind of a, a fun little side note. So we called that car uh, Bone Evil. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bone surgeon and, you know, Bone Evil and Bonneville are kind of spelled the same way. Um, and we, that, that was a two-cylinder French car, a Deutsche Benet with 750 cc's. I race in, in the 750 cc sports car class. Um, and we painted that car with uh, zoomies to make it look like it's an eight-cylinder, and then uh, had it airbrushed with uh, to look like bones were flying out of the engine and flying down the side of the car. Yeah, so, you sent me a picture of that, didn't you? Yeah. So uh, you know, one one of the things that is important to me is uh, the car hobby for me is supposed to be fun and relaxing and exciting. So we have fun and we're serious about whatever we do. When I go to Bonneville with uh, the folks that help me there, we're serious. I mean, we want to break records, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> well, it's just amazing that you're continuing this um, re-life you're giving to very unique old cars and not only showing them on lawns, but uh, driving them at Bonneville. And you're also a vintage racer, right? So you've run at Laguna Seca and other tracks? 
Yeah, so I, I did that for 10 years. I raced, uh, I raced with Steve Earle for 10 years, and I've done some racing with Sevar uh, here in Texas and Oklahoma. I stopped vintage racing about the time my daughter was born, and that's when I started uh, land speed racing. Nice. Well, let's talk about the second car that we're going to get to see on the grass at Pebble. Right. So the, the story is a little complex, and I'll try and make it as simple as possible. But the story begins with Joel Thorne and Art Sparks. Art Sparks was one of the you know great competition automobile builders pre-war, and Joel Thorne was a very wealthy playboy. Art Sparks was given a lifelong contract to work for Joel Thorne. It didn't turn out that way. But Joel Thorne paid him, paid him quite a bit of money for him to work for him full time. And they built a land speed record car pre-war to try and take on, uh, you know, Mercedes and the Silver Arrows. And they wanted to, you know, break the ultimate land speed record. Well, World War II broke out and that never happened. So they had this never raced land speed record car. And uh, the story goes that Joel Thorne overspent his allowance one month at a hydroplane boat race, uh, which uh, Joel Thorne frequented, he ran into a gentleman named Lou Fagel, who was not a playboy, but also a wealthy gentleman. They knew each other. Uh, Fagel had a, a family and a wife, so his lifestyle was a little different, but they still ran in the same circles. Fagel was the president of the Twin Coach Bus Company, and Thorne offered to sell him this unraced car. And so a deal was made. So Fagel brought the car back to Ohio and disassembled the car and turned it into a two-place street machine called the Fagel Supersonic. And that, that's the black and white, very streamlined. It, it kind of looks like something that Buck Rogers would, would be driving. <laughs> sure, it, yeah. it, it's incredibly futuristic. And very powerful, uh, 275 horsepower in 1949. It was a 150 mile an hour car. It was debuted at the 1949 Indy 500. And Wilbur Shaw, who was a three-time Indy winner, took exhibition laps in the car and reached 125 miles an hour on the straightaways. Wow. So that's the Fagel Supersonic. They brought the car back to Ohio and the Hudson Motor Company called and said, we want you to build a prototype on a Hudson chassis uh, of that car. So Fagel took the body off of the supersonic and put it on a Hudson chassis and built another car, which doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the story. <laughs> but what remained was the Fagel supersonic engine, chassis, gauges, interior, the entire car minus the body. And so the car I'm showing is the second iteration of the supersonic that had a roadster body on it that was built by Fagel's son, Ray Fagel. And Ray Fagel is actually going to be uh, at Pebble Beach with us. Oh my gosh. That car was called the Pateray. And it's a very interesting car in its own right. That car was built in 52, made some magazine covers. The tail section of that car was the tail from Fagel's 1946 twin engine Indy 500 race car that qualified second in 1946. Oh, wow. There's some Indy 500 DNA, you know, in this 
Baggio Pateray. My gosh. I know that was a long, complicated story, but... Fascinating. That's the car I'm showing. Now, what's really intriguing about the car, you know, that sort of fits into what drives me, that car was stolen from Donald Tognati of Tognati's Auto World in 1996. And nobody knew where that car went. There were rumors that organized crime had stolen it. Sort of in a related part of the story, around 2000, the Tognatis, the wife and the husband, both died. And it was ruled a homicide-suicide. Mrs. Tognati had cancer. And so they both, you know, they both died a minute apart, if you will. Wow. The thief, the thief spread rumors in the hobby that organized crime had rubbed them out and stolen the car, which wasn't true at all. But anyway, I became aware that the car was missing. I had no idea where it was. I bought the rights to the car, for, if it existed, from the heirs of the Tagnatis, and then I hired a private investigator to go find the car. And four years later, we recovered the car. My gosh. Well, hearing these stories ties nicely into the fact that you also like to write. And I mentioned in your introduction some of the, the wonderful books that you've penned and co-authored. I've got to think that to you, part of why you like these very unique cars is the story. And that really is a lot about almost every car. It is Every car has a story. It goes back to the family or something. But is, is that a key part of your intrigue for these very unique cars? Yeah, so that that's sort of one of the, the cogs in the wheel. I've already mentioned that they have to be, you know, beautiful. I like cars that are mechanically interesting or innovative. But yes, a, a car with, with a great story, you know, really, really lights me up. Now, when you talk to people in the hobby about cars with stories, that's generally a negative. So I'm not drawn to cars that have questionable chassis numbers or, you know, how much of the car is real or those kind of stories I'm not interested in. Both cars that I'm presenting at Pebble Beach this year have their original chassis, original body, uh, original engine. So when we say car stories, we have to be careful. But I do like a story about a car that was stolen and hidden the thief hid this car from 1996 until we recovered it in 2014. So for 18 years, nobody knew where the car was. And when we would talk to people, when my private investigator would talk to people, people were scared to talk, but they were afraid they would wind up dead like the Tagnatis. Wow. Of course, the thief had nothing to do with that. It was just the a tactic he used. It was a myth he propagated to get people to not look for the car. I always wonder when somebody takes a car like that, what are they thinking? Like, why would they do it? Why would anybody steal anything, I guess, is the big question. But especially something so unique. It's not like you can go out and drive it around and enjoy it. It's just so bizarre. But I guess it's like stealing a fine piece of artwork. There's a market for people to buy these things sometimes. And then maybe they tech them away. I don't know. It just seems so bizarre. But no, it makes no sense to me. It's the exact opposite of what my passion is driven by. I like to share, you know, the cars with people. Um, people come visit me and they want to drive my cars. 
as long as they're, you know, respectful and careful, that's okay. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the car hobby is really about connecting with people. The cars are wonderful. And, you know, I love the experience of driving the cars, owning the cars, having them restored. You know, that's, that's all wonderful. But at the end of the day, the common passion and connection with, you know, like-minded lunatics um, <laughs> is, is, really, is really most of the fun. So if you steal a car, I mean, our understanding is that the thief stole the car, put a car cover on it, and then it went from one storage facility to the other. We recovered the car at a facility in Palm Springs, and the owner of the facility uh, said that his customer, who turned out to be the, the thief, brought the car in, you know, late one night on a trailer with a car cover on it and told him that it was a prop for a Batman movie that never got used. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But, but what joy What joy he got out of uh, hiding the car for 18 years under a car cover, I, I have no idea. I don't either. It's, it's kind of like the car, you know, James Dean's 550 Spider that was stolen and what's become of that some p bits and pieces have emerged but why would somebody steal that what's the deal yeah i don't know it's a funny story you know i like to play a little game with my guests um i have a bit of a interesting degree here in car psychology it's totally self-made but don't tell anybody and what i want to ask you is something i'm sure nobody's ever asked you before mark if you were reincarnated if you were manifest as a vehicle now this isn't what you want to be that's far too easy this is you got to look deep at the man in the mirror and your passion for very unique cars. That's why this answer could be really cool. What car would you be, but more importantly, why? I think you're going to have to stop the tape for a second. <laughs> it's a very a unique question. Yeah, um, it's a very tough question. Have any of your other guests struggled with this question, sir? Oh, yes, of course. Uh, but, you know, it, we can't ask all the simple questions here. We've got to go a little deeper into somebody's mind and, and, and especially somebody like you that is into such unique, different things. I think I have an answer. I think I have an answer. I would like to think I would come back as a Cobra Daytona Coupe. Okay. Why is that? Well-built, successful, attractive-looking. I stood the test of time. <laughs> Nicely said. Well, Peter's smiling right now, Mr. Brock. He's been a guest multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and uh, yeah, he had a little something to do with that car. So, uh, but nice, nicely done. That's a tough question for many people. I appreciate you digging deep to do that. You know, the other thing I like to ask guests is about giving back and helping others. It's pretty obvious to me that you've chosen a career that is all about that. Am I right in that assumption? Yes. Yes. So I have the advantage of, you know, that my day job, my career, by definition, is just about, you know, putting people back together and helping them. So, you know, I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy, you know, when someone rolls in and is in very bad shape. And then, you know, months later, they walk out, ring. We have a little victory bell in my clinic that they ring. And it, it's very rewarding to to see people get back to where they need to be. Yeah, no kidding. Ah, oh, it's wonderful what you do. So here's another game I like to play with my guests. This is another 
great way that I enable people to go off into a fantasy world, if you would. I'm going to buy you any vehicle in the world. Now, this could be a car that you would love to restore in the future. It could be a car that exists somewhere, but I'm going to allow you to take it on a drive anywhere in the world. So you can pick the car and where you're going. But here's an interesting part to this. You could take anybody with you, including somebody from the past that's no longer with us which opens up a world of unique driving companions. So for a guy that is into, uh, you got to be one of the most unique eclectic collectors that I've ever had on the show that's into so many unique things. What would the car be? Where would you drive? And, and who would you be with? Well, the who I would be with would be simple, and that would be my wife. Mm, nice. What would the car be? The car might be the Fagile Supersonic and... I think touring around Italy, it's, it's a very American car, but, um, you know, my, my favorite automotive settings for driving have been uh, in various parts of Italy. Uh, they've, they've obviously never seen the car. There is the possibility, uh, there's some special rules for the Millimilia, and even if a car never raced there, you can occasionally get a one-time exemption to bring a car there. So I think the answer to your dream scenario would be my wife and I driving the Fagile Supersonic in the Millimilia retrospective. <laughs> that would be nice. Okay, what a great choice. What a great option. I uh, can't wait to see that day and that happen. Mark, you have taken us on a wonderful journey today. I could bring you back for many, many shows to talk about the many, many unique cars. I can't thank you enough for not only bringing these cars back to life for us to see, but knowing and writing about the history so that we can learn so much more. Uh, for those of us lucky enough to be on the lawn at Pebble, uh, this is definitely a guy you want to walk up to and ask him about about his vehicles. Before I let you go, though, could you share maybe some parting words of wisdom or a success quote or a mantra in life that has meant something for you that uh, could help others? Well, I think a lot of people uh, limit themselves. You know, they say, I could never do that. I could never accomplish that. I I don't know why, but I've never lived my life uh, that way. And believe me, I've failed at a lot of things. It's easy to look at people's successes and say, oh, you know, for instance, you know, singers or actresses or actors, when we see them, they look like they're overnight successes. But failing is a part of success. So if you want to race at Bonneville, research the rules, figure out a car that, that you might be able to race and go for it. If you want to show a car at Pebble Beach, it's not just for the wealthy. You know, there's ways to do things if you're determined and you're clever. I never listen to the naysayers that you can't do that or, you know, no because. And so if you're hearing no because, you should answer that with yes, if, and follow your passion, follow your dreams. And if you're determined to do something, it's always possible. Well said. Absolutely. I've met many, many people on the lawn at Pebble that just sit there and go, wow, I can't believe I'm here, but I did it. And uh, they made it happen. And uh, that's the great thing about Pebble Beach is there are lots and lots of different opportunities. And the way they've expanded over the decades, the different vehicles they've allowed to be on the lawn and brought into the lawn, uh, Ken Gross there, Sandra Button, and the entire team, uh, they just keep coming up with great new things to bring to us. And your two vehicles that you're bringing are great examples of that. How can people keep in touch with you? Well, 
our book website connects to us. So quietgreatness.com. I've also got a book out with Jim Perrin called The Amazing Denzel Sports Car. That's amazing, amazingdenzel.com. I'm not hard to find. Somebody wants to contact me. It's really easy to find me and you'll, you'll talk directly to me. I, I don't have any handlers or anything like that. I'm just a regular, regular guy. <laughs> well, maybe a little beyond that, but uh, I appreciate that. I'll put links to these uh, book websites on Mark's Shunos page. I encourage you, if you want some incredibly well-researched and wonderful books, and I've got them on my library shelf, uh, these are worthy additions to your automotive library. And a reminder that the Pebble Beach Concord this year takes place Sunday, August 20th. You can go to the website, pebblebeachconcord.net to get tickets. I encourage you to go there. Uh, look for Mark's cars. Go up and say hello. Tell him you uh, saw or heard him on Cars Yeah. And I want to do a shout out. Thank you to uh, the team there, especially Candace at Pebble Beach. She brings me some wonderful guests every year. So Candace, you've done it again with Mark. Mark, thanks for taking some time out of your very busy schedule and spending it here on Cars Yeah. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the Pebble Beach Concours de Elegance. Thank you. You're welcome. This was wonderful. I'm honored to say that my charity of choice here at Cars yeah! is Tech Force Foundation. They help young people find an education and career that aligns with their passions. For those who love cars, problem solving, and working with their hands, a career as a professional automotive technician is the perfect fit for a fulfilling life. We're all wired differently, and not every successful career demands a four-year university. Technical education and the skilled trades matter, and we need qualified skilled technicians to keep our vehicles rolling. Learn more about how you can support tomorrow's driving force and workforce of technicians at techforce.org, like I do here at Cars Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!